Hello and welcome to Is This Really For Kids? A podcast where I, your host, be a touch and decide, hey, is this piece of media content actually suitable for children? What makes me qualified is I am a trauma victim and I had a tough childhood and I watch a lot of kids movies and we have, con- you know, we have discussions about it. And we, you know, there's not really like a rating system of like, is it for kids? But we just talk about like the deep adult themes in children's media and have some childhood nostalgia and what we learned from it and what we liked and just a fun podcast. So super excited for you guys to be here today. And if you could, you know, make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, if that's where you're listening to this on, or follow me on all my socials. That really makes a difference and helps me get brand deals. And thank you so much. And without further ado. Today, we continue in our Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, aka Harry Potter 2. I've got a great guest on for you guys today. Her name is Sarah Briscoe Allen. Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, I have all the Harry Potter feels, first of all. Uh, I actually hated this book series when I was a kid. I didn't like the fact that it was so popular. I didn't understand why it was so popular. And this was before I had even actually read the books. It was before the movies had ever happened. Everyone I knew was talking about Harry Potter. And I was just like, why? It's a book about a kid who learns how to use magic. It's not special. In, I think it was second grade, she started reading the first book to us for reading time. And I was like, well, I'm not going to pay attention because Harry Potter's stupid. I paid attention, you know, which was my mistake because I've been hooked ever since. I definitely prefer the books. Um, I feel like there was a lot of content that was lost in the movies, which is normal. Possibly, you know, keep all the details. But my favorite character was actually Peeves the Poltergeist. And he is not in the movies at all. Yeah, he's in the video games. I was like immersed. I had like a Hogwarts painting, like literally a whole wall. I wish I had that wall too. I wish I could have traveled and moved with that wall. My aunt hired like a really good artist. It was like a birthday present and just like painted the wall and it was like an exact mural. It was amazing. The first thing that struck me, cause it like opens on Privet Drive as most of them do. You like really see how all of the houses on Privet Drive are the same. And then in like Hogwarts, you know, like everything is different. And I will say that I do feel like the movies did better world building than the books. The books had like better character development, I feel like. As a writer, I'm like crappy at scene descriptions for sure. I'm way better at dialogue, so I get it. See, I have like a really vivid imagination. So the books were great for me because they allowed me to kind of like create my own version of what the Harry Potter world was. And it was actually like really nice going to see the movies when they first came out in theaters because I was like, this is exactly what I thought it would be. This is amazing. Oh, that's cool. I always feel like when I imagine things, they're like not even close to what what I pictured. I'm like, okay, I guess some things are cooler than I imagine. Seeing Hedwing like trapped in a little cage because in the second one, that's where they like don't let Hedwing out at all, which is just terrible, like terrible bird abuse. Like it's so sad. It is kind of messed up that we keep birds. I know. It's terrible. Yeah, definitely. I feel like Vernon Dursley in particular like I know he was trying to suppress everything like magical about Harry but I feel like in the first book I was like would you really be an animal abuser and then in the second book I was like you'd definitely be an animal abuser you're just a terrible person 
Yeah, well, because most people, like, what he's doing is psychological, the Dursleys. Like, it is, like, sociopathic. And usually one of the signs of being, like, a sociopath or psychopath is animal abuse. So it does go hand in hand. Uh, It is very messed up. But, yeah, so they are, like, basically the Dursleys are making fun of Harry that, like, none of his friends have written to him after the first year. Like, this is basically the essential of, like, everybody signing have a great summer in your yearbook and never like talking to you again Mm -hmm. like it's so sad meanwhile like Dudley's got a second bedroom also I think they say they say like schedule because they're they have like a meeting coming and I love the way that British people say schedule like schedule I can't like it's so funny that they say that to me I don't know if that's kosher but I love I'm like I always want to say schedule it took me forever to figure out that they were saying that that was schedule um by the way so (laughs) so then Harry has to promise Mr. Dursley that he'll be in his bedroom making noise pretending that I don't exist which has basically been like me this entire COVID process I don't know about you (laughs) quietly biding my time (laughs) Uh, (laughs) definitely yeah just waiting for things to open back up yeah and then probably Dobby is one of my favorite characters and he pops up and Harry is like, um, uh, this is not a great time to have a house elf in my bedroom. And I wonder, because Hermione starts, this is, like, something that got lost. It's in the books, but it's not in the movie, and I really wish it was. Like, her whole, like, health elf, house elf campaign yes. about how they're, like, slaves. And I was like, would Hermione say that Harry's comment about, like, this isn't a good time to have a house elf in my bedroom? Even though it's true, would she be like, this is racist? Like, See, would she, like, attack him I for this? I feel like that's such an interesting question, because... Hermione defended the house elves, but she didn't do a whole lot for the mudbloods. Even, I think because she was a mudblood, she felt like she couldn't. But, like, that's where the racism and classism really comes into play in the Harry Potter world. And you actually see that a lot with, like, the Malfoys here in the second Harry Potter movie. And I feel like it's really heavy in the movies, but it's even heavier in the books. Because they go into, like, back descriptions of why they feel that way and how they feel it's justified that they feel that way. Yeah, something that I remember, it's like, this was more in the fifth book, but when they describe the, like, fountain in the Ministry of Magic, and it's, like, all of these creatures supporting the wizard, and I was like, this is messed up, like... Yeah. Dobby is clearly suffering the effects, because he, like, cries when he's asked to sit down, which, honestly, I'm the same way when people are nice to me, and then he has to, like, (laughs) punish himself whenever he does something like terrible like really so much like self-hate because he's so abused it's crazy uh to think about but he basically is Mm -hmm. like i dobby shows up and he's like i have to protect you harry potter i can't tell you why i have to protect you but he's like i stole all your letters so you wouldn't go to school (laughs) so you would think you have no friends which is like so terrible which is so hard because dobby is like is such a sweetheart but does stuff so messed up it's almost like I feel like the equivalent of some of the stories where they have the mentally handicapped brother or friend who is well-meaning but because they're so like mentally messed up they do these like terrible things which is so heavy for a children's book right like it's so intense and then Dobby gets him in trouble with the Dursleys by levitating this cake and then like 
drops it on top of the like Dursley's very important guest. Harry, like the whole thing that sucks about this is like Harry could have lied to Dobby and been like, oh yeah, I won't go back to school. And I bet you Dobby would have believed him. And then he could have like saved all of himself this trouble. But like Harry is... He doesn't lie, which I guess proves that he's like a good person. Or he doesn't lie always. He does lie a little bit in this movie, but we'll get into this. And then basically the Dursleys make this other comment that I hate so much where they're like, oh, my nephew is disturbed. And then they like lock him up in the house. Uh, They lock him up with all of his magic stuff, which is kind of dumb. But I remember, I don't know, I don't remember the second book so well, but there was like, did he get a letter from the ministry about the spell that Dobby cast? He did. And what's really interesting about that is they explain in the books that house elf magic is different from people magic. So Dobby went out of his way to make his spell seem like wizard magic. So that Harry Potter would get a letter. Like, he went out of his way to get Harry Potter in trouble. That's insane. That's actually some talent, though, to do that. That is a mad respect for Dobby's magical abilities right here. Yeah, he, like, really tried. But the other interesting thing is in the movies, Harry Potter was locked up with all of his magical stuff. But in the books... He had nothing in his room except for Hedwig. Oh, wow. Everything else was locked in his old room in the cupboard under the stairs. So Fred and George Weasley actually had to use muggle tricks to break oh into the gosh. house. And then break out of Harry's room and get everything like out of Wow, I didn't even remember that. I've read those books like eight times, but like obviously over a period of years. But I think it is insane. I mean, I guess Fred and George are older. I don't remember. What, they've got to be like 15? No, they're, they're younger oh, yeah. than that because they take their owls. about like 13, 13 or 14. They're driving a car though, which is insane to me. Yeah. This is the most focus on a car ever. It's this one. And they're all like 12 and 13. <laughs> Basically, in the movie, Uncle Vernon, like, grabs Harry's leg so viciously and then, like, falls out of the window, which is so insane. It's, like, insane what happens. It's an amazing stunt. (laughs) They have him do, like, a lot of stunts, I've noticed, over the Harry Potter movies. But then we get to, oh, my God, I love the burrow so much. If I could live in the burrow, I think I would be so happy for the rest of my days. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Like, one thing I was really sad about the burrow, though, is in the book, they have this great scene where they're throwing garden gnomes out of the garden. Oh, and yeah, they do that in yeah, the games. Yeah, and in the games, it was so much fun, but they didn't do it in the movie, and I was like, no! The perfect, like, pickup, like, introduction scene, right, of, like, somebody tossing the gnome, right? You could have had, like, Percy tossing the gnome and yeah. then Molly screaming. The house, though, totally, it has so much stuff in it. It is, like, the hoarder house of charm. It's so yes. great. Um, and then I love the bit of Mo- I think it's just like such a great scene of Molly being so nice to Harry and then being where have you been oh my god you messed up everything to her own kids like it's kind of messed up but it is also yeah. like kind of respectful because I feel like most parents when they're yelling at their kids do not care if they're yelling in front of their friends and this one it's like you're fine sweetheart you're not the ones in trouble I have to yell at my kids so that they know that this was very wrong that's so true and I feel like Molly Weasley actually does a really good job of remembering like Harry's past and all the trauma that he's been through because even in later books and movies when she is absolutely furious and ready to like kill her children she still remembers to calm down enough to tell Harry you're okay I'm not mad at you if you need anything I'm here for you 
Yeah, that is so important. I wish more people would do that around like traumatized kids. Obviously, I've never raised boys. I don't have any children, but I would feel like that it is probably very hard to teach when you have like a group of boy children who are like discovering their way into adulthood, get through to them. That that is probably a very real parental struggle of like, they probably don't listen, unfortunately. But one of my favorite lines that she says is like, you best hope I don't put bars on your window, Ron Weasley. <laughs> She's, she has the, some of the best lines in here. And what I love about the movies that I do feel, at least that from what I remember about the books, is like you kind of get to see Ginny be in love with Harry a little bit. Because this is the first time we kind of see her crush. We kind of saw her shy in the first one. But this one we start to see like, she can't talk around Harry Potter. She's got such a big crush on him. It's a very nice build in the movies. Honestly, better than Ron and Hermione's build in the movies, which is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did really appreciate that they gave Ginny like a few lines. Like when she comes running down the stairs and she's like, Mommy, have you seen my jumper? So and, cute. And then she sees Harry and like panics because in the book, all she does is she sees Harry and like runs. She won't talk at all. Wow. Which yeah. Is, yeah, it's kind of hard because Harry in the books was like, was that a person? Like, what was well, that? Well, too, and we see everything from Harry's perspective. So, and he's like a 12 year old boy who knows if he's paying attention to his best friend's younger sister, right? Like, he's 12. I love yeah. that their dad loves muggles uh, it's so cute it's so cute and i love oh that gosh. when he he's like the opposite of molly which understands why she has to be so strict because he is so good cop to her bad cop he's like oh you broke harry out how did it go right he's like doesn't understand probably like the best mm-hmm. balance of parents and then like classic quotable lines in this movie because my other one is like where he sits down harry and he's like what exactly is the function of a rubber duck <laughs> it's so good I would understand that being very confusing to wizard people and (laughs) the actors did such a good job in this movie like usually you don't see children actors like portraying all of those facial emotions but like Harry and Ron and Hermione have all the range of emotions of a full-grown adult which is amazing Yeah, and so needed, because the story is so heavy. (laughs) Absolutely. But it's incredible, because when Arthur Weasley sat him down, Daniel Radcliffe, who played Harry Potter, was just like, what do I say to that? Like... I know and the way that he listens in that scene too he listens like so eagerly like I don't think he has any idea what Mr. Weasley is going to say and then that is like the biggest shock anyway he was like I already had no idea you were going to say what you're going to say and now you said that and I don't really know how to tell you I don't even know personally as a human muggle how to explain the function of a rubber duck for funsies I guess bathroom aesthetic I don't know it's like it's it's to distract children from the fact that they're getting wet and that's not always enjoyable. Such a, I loved baths and I've loved like, that's like my favorite like self-care thing. So I've never, I've never been a kid who was like, oh, I'm not going to take mm-hmm. a bath. Uh, so I can't relate. Oh, see, I was the kid who I was like, uh, you're not going to stop me from playing outside. <laughs> I'm not coming in to take a bath. I'm still playing. I don't care that it's midnight. I am still having a party in my backyard. Oh, that's great. I honestly probably should have gone outside more because now I have a calcium deficiency. So (laughs) you probably should have said no to baths. So then they do the flu powder. (laughs) Honestly, the flu powder is kind of 
terrifying to me. I think maybe even more so in the age of COVID of having any sort of like dust go up your mouth because that's like what messes up Harry is that he like garbles the words and then he ends up in that like creepy store. I can't remember what that it's like Borgen and Burks, right? Is that Oh my god. Yes. And then that hand, that creep it was so creepy in the video game. It's so creepy in the movie. I don't know how any children can watch this without nightmares of that hand that like grabs him, you know what I'm talking about? The like oh yeah, so absolutely. and then all of the scary people in the alley, like this is it is literally terrifying. And I feel like that scene goes on for a pretty long time. And it's even longer in the Oh, is it? I don't know if you've seen like yeah, so when I watched the movie in theaters, I was like, they did a really bad job <laughs> on this scene because in the books, there's this whole part where, like, Draco Malfoy and his father come Oh, yeah! And in the extended version, they do that. But, like, they do a really good job. But- I think I remember that. Yeah, I remember a little part of that. Yeah, that's a good... Because he's, like, looking at it in the vanishing cupboard uh-huh. that becomes important later, right? Like, that's yeah. where he hides, Yeah. So he gets rescued by Hagrid, who was only in the area for flesh-eating slug repellent, which, which is, is hilarious. Right. I mean, it's a gamekeeper. It is very funny, but it is like, well, I used to go to like black market that. You also learned that like in later books, that wasn't why he was there. Like, why was he there? Uh, I didn't he know was that. There to buy the egg for Norbert the dragon. Oh, but Norbert's in the first one. I thought. So why? But how is this in there, the second? I know. In, like, the sixth book or something, it goes back and says that he was there to, like, buy some dragon egg or something. Yeah, probably trying to redo it, (laughs) trying to get another egg, and then Harry stops him. So then they meet up with Hermione, who repairs his glasses again, just like I think she did in the first one. Which is interesting Uh, that she doesn't get flagged for using a spell Oh, yeah, that is weird. I I guess, I don't know if it, does it count if you're in Diagon Alley, or do you have to be on school grounds? What I've heard is that, from what I've read, it's, if you're, they can't tell exactly who casts the spell, they can only tell the area. Mm. So I think that in the movies, they let Hermione get away with it because there's a whole bunch of adult wizards there. But in the books, it's Arthur Weasley who fixes the glasses. It's not Oh, that is crazy. Wow. Yeah, because they do magic on the train too. And I was like, what are the rules of this? But we'll get into that. So then we meet, oh, Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh, <laughs> Oh whose husband, gosh. yeah, Hard who was job. actually, his husband is Professor, I'm going to butcher her name, Tweedley, the, de, the deviation, oh my god, I'm like <laughs> tumbling, but uh, the deviation oh. teacher, you know, they were married in real life really? for a time, I guess. I think they divorced now, don't quote me, but I always thought that was fascinating when I found that out. I was like, I would not picture them in the Potter universe as a couple, but also, if you think about it, it does kind it of work. Does. Like, if I was going to hook him up with anybody, that would make sense. And then he makes, obviously, this big deal. It's, like, the original Instagram collab of, like, Gilderoy Lockhart and Harry Potter when he sees them, mm-hmm. I guess, for publicity. And then he, like, gives Harry all of his collected works for free, which kind of sucks because Harry is rich enough to afford it, right? Yeah. Like, he could have bought all of that very easily. And then Molly's like, oh, I'll get them signed, which I think is... It's hilarious how, like, all of the women fangirl over him I never understood I could tell that he had a good smile but I never understood his appeal yeah well also I feel like when we were kids and the movies came out we weren't at the same maturity because it seems to be like 
mostly the adult females that were super into No, Hermione has a crush on him, though, too. Yeah. Yeah, but Hermione was, like, the most mature witch. That's very true. So I feel like he appealed to a certain crowd. And I look at celebrities nowadays, and I'm like, which celebrity is most like Lockhart? And I'm not sure... So I'm not going to, you know, throw out any names. Do you, you don't even have a hunch? You wouldn't say this is what you think is the closest? Well, it's just like, not not this time, no. It's just interesting because like Lockhart, you know, obviously did not do everything that he said that he did. And so it's just like interesting looking at certain celebrities and being like, did you really do that though? Well, most celebrities, it's like, it seems like one person does this whole thing, but it's usually not. Usually, like, most famous people have a team of, like, 10 people that, Mm -hmm. like, help them, right, get to the way that they are. Like, some people, they only get the audition because they knew somebody who has the audition or the power to get them that audition. So they're not really, it's not like they've done everything themselves. I mean, it's really kind of hard for any job to kind of be completely self-made because we do rely on other people. Yeah, and it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's fine to get help, but what Lockhart did is he took credit for everything, even if it was, like, way out of his purview. Yeah, and I definitely feel like in the 1950s and the 1960s, that was definitely happening. Like, I don't know if you've seen Ma Rainey's Mm -hmm. Black Bottom, but that is, they would take black people's music and then like refilter it like they get the black songwriters because they had all the talent they had all the group and then they would remanufacture it and pretend and like give the white band leader the song so in like a way i feel that that is like the racism degree of like what gilderoy lockhart was doing and obviously he was going and doing it to people who were probably on the outskirts of the cities right like not anybody who's like very involved with other people because they would have told about their uh tales right and then he would have been like then he had to pick people who were isolated so he was yeah he's real messed up <laughs> he gets Dumbledore gets so many messed up people to to yeah. the defense against the dark like what is going on there that he seems really, really messed up but anyway Malfoy gets so heated and jealous that Harry is going to bookshop and he can't even go to the bookshop without making the front page and then he uh, embarrasses Ginny and is like oh is that your girlfriend Potter um But way to call it, though, right? Who would have thought that he was so emotionally perceptive, Draco Malfoy? I guess you have to be to be, like, a bully. (laughs) And then Lucius does this thing, Draco's father. He, like, grabs Harry by the forehead, the scar, like, just touches this 12-year-old boy in public. Like, what the absolute heck? Like, oh, my God. Like, I guess there weren't any adults (laughs) nearby, but it's insane, And then that's when they start repeating the quote. I think it was Hermione because they were like talking about, they mentioned Voldemort. And that's when they first say something that I think is so important. Like fear of a name increases the fear of the thing itself. Oh, that quote resonates with me so much. It really does. It's like, it's so applicable even in reality. Yeah, because if you don't talk about anything, you're never going to be able to figure out any solutions. That is like the number one way of like, oh, don't talk about this. Oh, don't call it by its name, right? Don't. Then you're never going to be able to figure out, well, how do we how do we make this thing right, right? How do we get better? It's like a fearness of like progress because mm-hmm. uh, fear keeps you down. And then I love Harry is so yes. sassy sometimes in these movies. And I love how like he's like such an emo boy. Sometimes he's like, Voldemort killed my parents like everybody knows that right and it's like he's like you just knew that like only a year ago yeah. honey, but okay <laughs> right I love how he's like 
he's nothing more than a murderer. And I'm like, you're saying this to the biggest family that supports Voldemort and is like rooting for him to win. You just like signed your death warrant. You're like 12. You don't know how to do things. I mean, I think they were always going to hate him because that was a shift in their power for sure. I'm sure the Malfoys are on edge that Voldemort is like currently nowhere to be found, right? Yeah, or like very weak. Oh, for sure. That's the other reason that I love the book because they go more into depth about that. Like in the scene in Borgen and Burks before Harry escapes from there, Draco is complaining about Harry Potter and how he always gets attention and everyone thinks he's great just because he's got a scar on his forehead. And his dad goes, you know, it's not prudent to openly hate Harry Potter when all of wizard kind loves him. And I was like, Lucius wow. Malfoy is a sneaky, conniving, backstabbing, <laughs> like... He is out for himself, and that's it. But he does, he cares about his son enough to warn him, you shouldn't be complaining about Harry Potter. This is not going to bode well for you. But Draco, I feel like, is nothing more than, like, an accessory to Lucy. Like, he's such a narcissist that it doesn't, he doesn't care about who Draco is. I think this is why Draco acts out in the way that he... He Mm -hmm. does. I think, like, probably the only love he gets is from his mother, who we don't even meet until very, very much later. But, yeah, so they insult the Weasleys more. They call, like, because of their vacant expressions, which is so mean. Um, They're so mean to them. And then they kind of talk about something that I think is so cool when they're like, well, I guess we both have different ideas of what disgraces a wizard. And it's, like, the ultimate clapback. But it's that is so strong. That is such a great, like statement yes yes i love that line so that line wasn't in the books in the books they actually got into a fist fight oh wow i didn't even remember who fought Uh, who it was arthur weasley punched lucius malfoy and they descended into like a fist fight which was so cool reading about in the books but this is where i actually think the movies did it better that one line was so much more powerful than seeing a fight well and it's better than promoting violence right like it's better it's always to say like just get him with the word right like because violence is never gonna solve anything although i do feel respect for (laughs) arthur (laughs) weasley for going for it but yeah basically now we know where draco gets it from and i loved the like dynamic that they have where lucius goes to arthur and he's like see you at work and then draco goes to harry and he's like see you at school right (laughs) like the, the like father like son oh such a good scene Mm -hmm. so much tension that we're building and so then this is where they can't get into platform (laughs) nine and three quarters where they just absolutely crash hard into this wall and i never understood for the life of me why they didn't just wait they were like oh my god we missed the train there's no way we'll be able to go and i was like why don't you just wait for your parents to come back ron and i'm sure they would have a solution for you like you can't be the first kids ever Well, that's true. But it also says, like, Ron has that line in the movie where he's like, well, if we can't get through, maybe mom and dad can't get back. Oh, yeah. So they were kind of panicked, thinking that they were just really all alone. And in the books, it did a better job of, like, 
describing Hedwig was just going insane, oh. like screaming and screeching and adding to the tension really yeah, and the panic. And all of yeah, all of the Muggles were looking at them and gathering around. Oh, no, yeah. And Harry was like, "We're attracting too much attention. We're gonna get in trouble for attracting attention." Oh my gosh, I forgot about this. I do think, though, that most of Harry Potter problems could be solved with a little bit of patience. But... They, they really could, you know. But I totally get I forgot kind of a bad job about it, and I feel like in the movies where there's not as much, like, they just, like, automatically are like, okay, we'll take the yeah. car, right? I feel like it jumps a little, and I get it because time. But then they go, Harry's like, oh, Ron, you know, like, by the way, muggles don't like seeing flying cars. But I don't know about that. Maybe back then. But I feel like nowadays they'd be like, oh, look at this drone. Yes. Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> nowadays people would be like, oh, it's a UFO. Cool. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, and they would call the UFO people. Because I guess people, there's like a hotline that you can report UFOs to. Really? It's insane. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> When Elon Musk, he, like, launched something, and I was living in Canoga Park at the time, and you could see it from there, and, like, everybody panicked, because I don't think everybody knew, and then this uh, UFO guy stops me and my aunt in the street, and he's like, oh, don't worry, I work for this company where they report UFOs, Elon Musk told us that he was doing this today, because he was like, I bet we're gonna get a lot of reportings in tonight, <laughs> I was like, this is, I was like, I want that job, I think, yes. oh I was my like, gosh. that would be so cool. Speaking of, like, crazy action scenes, I guess, uh, one of my favorite things when they're ahead of the train, they're like, oh, I don't see it, and then it's like, they end up being ahead of it, and then Hedwig's eyes go huge. Oh my god. Yes. So oh my gosh. good. I kind of hate when he, I mean, I get it, because it's an action scene, and you gotta raise all the stakes, but then, like, Harry, for whatever reason, just, like, falls out of the car. <laughs> like, I don't even know how that happens. I know. I remember watching that in theaters, and my dad leans over, and he's like, that's why you always wear a seatbelt. And I was like, all right, way to advertise. That was, that's exactly why they did that movie. They did it so that every parent could turn to their kid yes. and be like, wear a seatbelt. <laughs> this is an important moment in car but, safety. Oh, I was just like watching that as an adult now. I'm like, why wasn't he wearing a seatbelt? Like, did they not have seatbelts? Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. It didn't look like, I don't remember seeing seatbelts in that yeah. car, but I don't know. He's 12, you know what I mean? He doesn't have any, I'm probably sure that the Dursleys have never even hardly taken him in a car and probably didn't tell him to wear a seatbelt, oh hoping that he would just horrible. like die in a car accident, right? That's like terrible, but I'm sure, like mm -hmm. I would feel like that's what they're going to do. And then, yeah, so then it's like, welcome home, here's beautiful Hogwarts, but then psych, <laughs> the Whomping Willow Tree is angered, is so angry. I feel like the Whomping Willow really had a right to be angry, though. Like, if a car crashed into you, wouldn't you, like, if you survived, wouldn't you be like, excuse me, what do you think you're doing? And the car, like, I mean, this car gets wrecked so hard. Uh, it's like, just the 12-year-old things, you know, wrecking cars. Mm -hmm. um, God, <laughs> you know, I remember when I was 12 and wrecking my own car. Like, I don't understand. I, I totally understand when they get in so much trouble. And honestly, though, Scabbers, I don't, Hedwig, I can yes. maybe understand surviving this car wreck because she can fly, right? And like, get out. She's got the beak that she could unlock her thing. Scabbers should have mm -hmm. died in this car wreck. <laughs> he should have been squished. But also, yeah. Ron should have broken his nose. Because he fell against the steering wheel, and the only thing that broke was his wand. I'm like, I'm sorry, you guys are magical, but you're not immune to pain. 
Well, maybe his wand, I could argue that maybe his wand, like, did a defensive spell. Because he's, like, 12, right? And so their magic is kind of hormonal. So maybe his wand, like, was like, I'll take the sacrifice for you. Not your beautiful nose, (laughs) right? And, like, protected his face or whatever. Maybe. But then, like, why didn't Harry get hurt at all either? Like, they're they're not wearing seatbelts. We've already established that. (laughs) Because of the love curse. uh, Or the love protection, obviously. That's why Harry was untouched. (laughs) If his mother's loved. That was my bad, then. (laughs) But the car, anyway, goes off. It just, like, drives itself. Mm -hmm. And then... And then it's the original Tesla. Yes. That's where Elon Musk got his idea. (laughs) Yeah. And then Harry's like, okay, clearly someone does not want me to be here. And then he gets caught by Flinch. And then Flinch is, like, just, like, freaking out and is like, you damaged the tree. Even though I will say, I do think that the willow tree, the whomping willow, it did way more damage to them than they did to it. It really did. But, like... Filch is so salty about like I, I don't understand why he works there because he's not is... appropriate. He's not good with children. He... Well, and then he's also this is a total spoiler, but he's a squib. Like mm-hmm. he, they can't don't talk do about magic. it in the movies. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because they allude to it in the mm-hmm. extended edition of this film when Harry and Ron are leaving Snape's office after getting yelled at, Filch is standing there holding Mrs. Norris, and there's a letter on the ground, and Harry picks it up, and it says, like, uh, I forget what it says, but it's, like, addressed to the squib, Argus Filch. And Harry's like, I think you dropped this. And clearly Harry doesn't know what a squib is yet, but Filch is, like, so embarrassed in the film, he, like, snatches the letter and then just stands there, like, eyes wide, but that's like all they did with it. And I was just like, come on. It's hard because all of his shame, I mean, I guess it has to be from like kind of the like racism and classism from the wizarding world, right? Of this like the squib thing. Because there really shouldn't be, you can't control whether you have magic or not. Like it's not really your fault. So, and it's like, and it's not like he's not involved, but it's like hard because it's like, I bet you that shame kind of turned him into like a mean, weird person, right? So then they think that they, that Harry and Ron Mm -hmm. are going to be on the train home tonight, but da-da-da-da, McGonagall is like, she's the head of the house and she's like, just kidding, they're not expelled. (laughs) Like, lucky for them. I wonder if most head of houses will just be like, you're going to go expel my kids? Well, you can't because I'm the head of house boom these are how the rules work but they are they do have to get detention and they are writing to families i was wonder what did the dursleys even read that letter or did they just go of course and throw it away like, <laughs> right i wonder i'm like did they read it or did they burn it because it came from someone magical but i would have loved to see that scene <laughs> like an extent of them getting the letter and being like uh okay Yes. What do you expect? <laughs> um, and then we see the mandrakes, and <laughs> I freaking love the mandrakes so much. This is probably one of my favorite, like, creatures of Harry Potter. Yes. Okay, they were, like, stupidly cute in a really weird way. Oh, my God, yes. Did I they think they really? used to have, like, a toy mandrake, too, oh that they gosh. made that was, like, in a pot that you could pull out. Yes. And it, like, it uh-huh. was so, and it would, like, move. You know, it was all, like, plastic. But it yes, was cool. Yes, for sure. Yeah, if there's not, you should definitely bring that toy back because that was, I would get a mandrake toy. Oh, I'd get a few. I'd have them all on my windowsill. <laughs> but the, anyway, they help those who've been petrified, but their cry is fatal. 
um, and it will knock you out for several hours. But then the Neville, which is very interesting because Neville is supposed to be really good at herbology. Like that's like his big thing. Uh And they like use him as the one that faints and they just leave him fainted there. That That scene was so (laughs) funny though. Like Professor Sprout is just like, oh, just leave him there. They don't even take him to the nurse's office or anything. They're like, whatever, he just sleep. I mean, I guess like sleeping outdoors is probably a big cure for a lot of things or like in a greenhouse would probably be very good for you, right? Surrounded by plants. Yeah. But it's just also so interesting because, like, in the book, they have other plants in mm-hmm. the same greenhouse, and one of them is a venomous tentacula, Yo. I think is the name. And Professor Sprout says, now be careful of this plant because it's teething because it oh was, like, trying goodness. to eat her. And I was like, so if he had fainted, I don't think that in the books they would have left him there because the venomous tentacula could have eaten him then. That would have gnawed on sleeping Neville. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, I love this world. It's so crazy. And yes. so then we meet Colin Creevy, who is like, I feel like the OG social media person. He's like just taking yes. pictures of everything. Oh my right? gosh. He's the social media influencer of he the is. Harry Potter world. He's the OG one. And then we also meet Harold the Bad Owl. This is the only, I think, cameo he gets because he's a Weasley's owl, right? And he's like just. Yes. So this is, his name is actually Errol. Okay. Yeah, which is a really interesting name because it does sound like yes, Harold. and like I feel like that's what it sounds like, but in the books, like it's spelled yeah, Errol, e with an e, which is really interesting. Yeah, but he's I feel so bad for him because he's so old, like he's not a useful owl anymore, and they keep using him. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe they don't have the money to buy an owl. Harry needs to invest. The Weasleys have done a lot for him. He should right. buy an owl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but the Weasleys actually bought a second owl. They bought a brand new owl for their son, Percy, when he became a prefect. And Percy is refusing to share his owl. He's like, no, this is just for me. Oh, Percy's such a jerk. <laughs> like, I can't. He's like the bit, he's almost more evil than Voldemort. <laughs> he's such a jerk. He really is because like he's oh my gosh he's such a spoiled whiny brat because he's like no I became a prefect so mom and dad bought this for me and no mom and dad you can't use my owl you bought it for me it's like this is your parents you're talking about like what the heck. Molly, though, coddles him. I think that's part of the problem. Like, she doesn't say, uh, no, if we have to use it the whole family has to use it it's yours primarily like uh whatever so then ron gets the howler and neville's like listen you don't want to ignore the howler it's horrible (laughs) and i love that like literally the whole great hall is silent during this howler right like everybody from every team of every age has to listen to her scream well i feel like that's kind of like high school like if you get yelled at in high school everyone's gonna stop and listen because ooh spill the tea (laughs) Oh, people love drama. Yes. <laughs> so then we are introduced to Gilroy Lockhart again as the Defense Against the Dark Arch teacher. He won the Witch Weekly's Most Charming Smile, which I will have to agree. Uh, he does have a very good uh, <laughs> smile. <laughs> um, and he advises everybody to not scream at the pixies. Um, I agree. Don't yell at me. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> are you a pixie? <laughs> do not scream at me. Thank you. Um, and he literally... What, I, 
Gildred Lockhart, I don't even understand how he's so smart at memory charms because he's literally like, okay, I'm not going to teach you any spell. I'm not going to say any lesson. I'm going to barely tell you about these pixies. I'm just going to let them loose, right? Like, <laughs> let them fly. That seems so safe. The confidence of this yeah. man because he's just like, I'm going to let him fly and I'm going to handle it. With an utter disaster. I will say, this is like cool scenery too because if this like yes. Defense Against the Dark's Art classroom is probably like the cool one because this is the one with the big dinosaur above and I think they like recreated it when you go to like the Harry Potter ride because they knew they knew that was yes. the best one basically Hermione of course saves the day because Hermione should just be teaching at the school at this point even though she's 12 <laughs> um and she immobilizes all the pixies but then poor Neville is like hanged on the dinosaur from the pixies and then he's mm-hmm. like why is it always me and i definitely feel like i'm just i'm constantly feeling neville vibes the older i get <laughs> like, we laughed at him when we were younger but little did we know we were feeling neville <laughs> and then we learned that malfoy is the new seeker and that the slytherins yes. have taken over gryffindor's practice day because of because he's the new seeker and that his daddy bought everybody Nimbus 2001s. So by he bought his way in to being the seeker because if Harry Potter's doing it, I honestly feel like Malfoy has such a repressed homosexual crush on Harry Potter. Like that's the only explanation, right? Of like, I have to be doing everything that Harry Potter is doing, right? Like it's so insane. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Well, I really want to see Harry Potter from Draco Malfoy's point of view because he grew up his whole life probably being told that Harry Potter is the worst wizard to ever live, that he should be dead, all this stuff. And then he goes to the school where everyone loves him. And he's like, no, you don't understand. He's a bad person. The whole school's just like, oh, no, he's the greatest wizard to have ever lived. He defeated the Dark Lord. And Draco was probably told from a very young age that the Dark Lord was like the savior of all of wizard kind. And he's just there like, no, you don't understand. So like Draco has all of these like abusive tendencies that he has to like unlearn. Well, like his mom loves Draco, I almost think too much, right? And has coddled Draco to be this amazing person. And then he comes to school mm-hmm. and like Harry Potter stole it. Like, and he's like, what the hell? Like, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm supposed to be yes. the like standout wizard this year, right? Mummy told me, right? <laughs> like, uh-huh. like awful. But this is such a pivotal scene. And this is one of the big things that I kind of want to talk about and see your perspective because JK Rowling like haphazardly did this tweet and he was like, oh, Hermione could have been black, right? And then they cast her as black for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, that book. I don't know if you've read. There's, like, a play. And then she got, like, a bunch of flack from that because there is, like, just, like, paragraphs of her where they say Hermione is pale. But I think you could technically be pale and black, but I don't know. I mean, in the drawings of the picture book, she's, yeah. I think you can. I mean, especially when, like, people get sick, a lot of times they're pale, and that doesn't have anything to do with, like, yeah. skin color. It's, like, the fact that you look paler than you are. It's usually more about, like, the amount of sunlight yeah. you get, too, right? That could make you look more, if you're in the dark, more you end up being pale no matter what mm-hmm. your skin color is. But this is where he calls Hermione a mudblood. Draco calls her, and it is, like an oof in the stomach it hurts so hard and then ron's wand is broken but he is not gonna have malfoy talking to hermione that way and so he says to malfoy eat slugs and then it backfires on him which sucks 
so bad. I feel oh so gosh. bad when this happens. And then Colin Creevy takes a picture of this moment. What? <laughs> what? He's got to keep up his influencer status. And yeah, he's like, I got it. This is going to be an amazing post. I'm going to get so many likes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So they go to Hagrid, who like is taking care of Ron. And then they explain that like Mudblood is a foul name. It means dirty blood. And that the Malfoys use it because they think they're better because of their pure blood. And it's like, this is such a disgusting thing. And I feel like this thing is like, it's kind of dropped. because, And then it's like kind of taken on that like Voldemort feels the same way. Sort of, even though he isn't a pureblood. He's like a pureblood pretender later, but it's a powerful thing and is only kind of kept in this world, I feel like, in the second book. Yeah, I think it's also really interesting how strongly Hermione reacts to it because she was raised as a muggle. Like, she did not know about this world until she got her letter from Hogwarts. So I was like, what kind of books are you reading, Hermione? To have this strong of a reaction to being called a mudblood. I don't know. I haven't really been in the presence of any racism comics because I would shut them down as quickly as possible, right? Like, and I haven't obviously been on the end. I've been on the end. Like, people have called me, like, uh, names online, right, into my face that are... But you, like, you get desensitized after a while, you know? But I feel like... To hear it, though, and to know that somebody feels that way, like, that, like, no matter, even if you didn't know what it's called, you can, like, hear the venom behind somebody's words and the sadness of, like, knowing that somebody thinks like that, right? Because what a limited and terrible and evil mindset, right? Like, there's, like, there's, like, a sorrow in being, like, wow, you think like that? Amazing, right? Like, that sucks. Like, that's really sad that that is working for you. And so, anyway, we'll get off of something less serious because Hagrid at least tells Hermione, and I want to tell anybody who's listening who's been on, like, the side of, like, a derogatory comment that, like, don't think on it. Whatever they said that you can't do because of whatever limitations they perceive about you, they're wrong. I was like, I think that message is not out there enough, but they're wrong. And so Gilderoy Lockhart has Harry answering fan mail for detention, and which is honestly, I think that would be the best mm-hmm. detention ever. <laughs> A very great detention. And then this is where it starts to get even more creepy. This book is so dark and this movie is so dark. And he, Harry hears this voice and it's like, yes. come to me. I smell blood. Let me rip you. Let me kill you. He's like 12 years old hearing this right like what I I don't even know what I would do if I heard this at 12 and then he sees spiders fleeing and he goes and is like following this voice and then Mrs. Norris Flitch's cat is petrified and then there's the chamber of secrets has been opened enemies of the air beware and it's written in blood on the wall and it totally does look like Harry and his friends did it because they were the first to find it right and then, of course, Malfoy, because he's the worst in this movie, is like, your next Mudbloods, which is, ter- like, just awful. Like, definitely, I feel like middle school behavior, mm-hmm. unfortunately, but it's just like, stop, white boy, stop, you know, just stop it. Yes. <laughs> he's just jumping on the bandwagon. He's just like, aha, someone here is on my side. 
Ugh, he's the worst. And then poor Flinch breaks down, even though he totally gave Haggard shit when he was sad about Norbert in the first one. But uh-huh. this also, to me, this is the number one reason Flinch shouldn't be my kids, because he's like, literally, he's like, I'm going to kill you kids for doing this to Miss Norbert. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't work with children and say you're going to kill them. I'm sorry. You have to be fired. Like, you can't, <laughs> that is just not okay. You can't just tell kids. That's really uh-huh. damaging. I feel like Dumbledore kind of has like um, has a habit of hiring people who should not be there because he wants to rehabilitate them. Yeah, but Dumbledore, there's a different there's a different program for that. It's not a school where you're teaching children, right? Like <laughs> yes. it's not. This is not it. Like then open up a school of rehabilitation. Like open up a continuing edge class. Uh-huh. But don't teach people, Dumbledore. I don't. So much I could say about Dumbledore, but anyway, <laughs> Dumbledore does know the counter curse. What kind of gets me so mad in this is that Dumbledore in the segment, he acts so mysterious, but he knew what the heck was up, right? Like, he had to know that this was, like, the beginning of a horror crime. He knew, he had to know semi what direction this was going in. Yeah. But at least he saves Harry, and he's like, oh, I just believe that Harry was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I get so mad that Harry does this, but he lies that he heard the voice. And if he had heard the voice, like, how many other, like people would have not been petrified, right? Like, I get that it's, mm-hmm. like, scary to admit, but I wish that he was, like, yeah, I heard this, right? Like, that would have maybe been a clue, at least. Always tell the truth. That's, yeah. <laughs> if you were 12 out there, tell the d- truth and tell it to an adult <laughs> you trust. Dumbledore just is like, I recommend caution, which, honestly, this is, like, the message for 2021 right like just keep playing this uh, voice yes. by Dumbledore in the second movie over and over that he recommends caution to all <laughs> and honestly I am very worried about Ron Weasley and his wand that is broken because he's going to fail every class this year because you use your wand for everything <laughs> right and he's gonna end up hurting himself and other students like I am amazed that Professor McGonagall didn't make him, like, write to his parents and get a new wand. Or that Harry, his best friend, with billions of galleons and sickles, couldn't spring for a new wand. Like... Yeah, I don't... It's This seems unsafe. Or it seems like they should have, like, a school program of, like, oh, if you broke your wand, we've got a wand fix shop, right? Like, because you're away, right? You're not... I don't think... I think Diagon Alley is far from Hogwarts at this point. Yeah, but I feel like they could have, like, written to a wand maker and or, like, they have used brooms that people can use, so why don't they have used wands that people yeah. can borrow? I know in the lore that it's, like, it's harder to use somebody else's wand and not your wand but it's still I think it's still safer than a broken wand yeah I feel like (laughs) even if it's not broken if it chooses not to work for you that's fine at least you're not eating slugs yeah or (laughs) turning your rat into a cup like oof the fact that that rat is a person I (laughs) want Jesus that's gotta be so (laughs) uncomfortable for that guy (laughs) Maybe he did suffer. Maybe we shouldn't be mad that Pettigrew lived. <laughs> I don't know. He he suffered a lot. And then he was still a pretty awful person when he, like, changed Ugh. back. So I think we can still be mad. Uh, so then they asked McGonagall to tell them about the Chamber of Secrets, even though they're in Transfiguration class and not History class. Because <laughs> in the book, it's different, right? It's not her. It's the ghost, right? Uh, yeah, it's the, it's, yeah, the ghost of the History yeah. class. Is the one who teaches. 
but they don't really show a ghost teaching a history class in the movies at all. Yeah, I'm assuming because of special effects costs, they already have to do nearly headless Nick and everybody. And they were like, we're gonna, we're just gonna make it her. <laughs> um, basically, they explained that Hogwarts was founded by four people, and then Slytherin wanted to be more selective and only have all magic families. And then he got mad and he left the school. But before he left the school, he built a hidden chamber. And sealed it until the hair until his Which hair could is open. Really, it. that's even with magic, that's gotta be hard to keep like if there are four owners of a building and the other three don't notice what's going on and don't know where like this magical sealed chamber is, like you've gotta be really good at magic to keep that a secret. Yeah, so they searched the whole school and they and they couldn't mm-hmm. find anything, but Hogwarts is just like been casually the home of a monster for like years it's crazy and so then Hermione has this idea because they suspect that it's Malfoy is somehow behind it because he's so evil so I I get it that's I guess a step in the right direction and they're semi-right but she's like okay Mm -hmm. we're gonna break like 50 school rules but we're gonna make apologies potion unfortunately it takes a month to make but they are like okay we're down we're gonna do it which is insane. That has to be like such complicated <laughs> levels of magic. Like you're right that I think that she is reading some very advanced material. <laughs> uh, that's why she's so mature. She's just uh, thirsty for knowledge. Then you have this epic broom race between Harry and Malfoy and the enchanted bludger. Every time I see this movie, it freaks me out. It is so scary to me. Mm-hmm. I hated sports class though because I was always afraid that I was going to get hit in the head with a ball. Like... Oh, true. I always did get oh. hit in the head with a ball, but I feel like Quidditch is the only sport that like I actually cared about growing up because I was like, yeah, you might get hit in the head with a ball, but you also have a really fast racing broom underneath you. That's You're true. not depending on your own feet to like get away from it. You can just, like, zoom around on a broom. Ugh, I want a zoomy broom. Yes, same. And Ron then wants to stop the bludger with his broken wand, and they're like, Ron, like, stop. You're gonna kill Harry if you do that. Yeah. Do not do this, Ron. What I'm always confused, there are so many times I'm like, bruh, why don't they call off the game? This game is, like, these are children, this is dangerous, just call it off and, like, fix it and then resume, right? Like, why... The integrity of the game is so important, even if it's, like, out of control, somebody might die. That's a very good point. Like, what were these adults doing that they were like, oh, these 11 and 12-year-olds will be fine. They're on brooms with no safety nets, like, 50 miles above the earth. Yeah, and a bludger that's not acting to code, right? You can see it in the stands. You'd just be like, okay, Rudy, we're going to stop the game. We're going to fix the bludger, and then we're going to continue, right? Like, yeah. that's that's all you have to do. Nobody does that. And then one of my other favorite lines, even though Malfoy is such a piece of shit, but I love when he goes to Harry and he's like, training for the ballet, Potter. You know what? Like, so good. <laughs> he quotable. has such good one-liners. And there's... Um, there's a very Potter musical by Star Kid Productions. Oh yes, I love it. Oh my god, I'm gonna review those too. You should totally. Oh yes, they're my favorite. Yeah. But like, Malfoy has great one-liners in that one too. Like, I just <laughs> feel like Malfoy as a character just has great one-liners. He's in- so snivvy. He's had. He would have the best Twitter, as awful as it would be. <laughs> he really would. He he's doing what Trump. Oh my gosh, can. I feel like what? Malfoy is like the Wendy's Twitter. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But anyway, Harry ends up catching the snitch. 
but he broke his arm really bad. And Gilroy Lockhart is like, I'll fix it. And Harry literally goes, not you. Which I like, <laughs> <laughs> so bold and sassy he's like no not not you please not you <laughs> like, <laughs> and then Gilderoy Lockhart is so confident he's like oh the poor boy's delirious he doesn't know what he's talking about this is like out of control it is so funny though it's like terrible in real life like this would be an awful situation to be Harry Potter in right to have this complete buffoon who's like no no I can fix that knowing very full well that he cannot um, right? and then yeah I just can't but Gilderoy Lockhart removes all of the bones and it, oh it is so gross it's so cool that how they do it like special it's effects so right? but it's so gross <laughs> so gross and then the bludger comes back one more time to try to get Harry and because no adult will do it Hermione like blows it up um, so basically Hermione should run this school she really should because <laughs> she's the only one who's on it and then we go to the hospital and Malfoy is just moaning in the bed. And then the nurse is like, Malfoy, you can go. You're fine. <laughs> so great. <laughs> it's interesting that like, I think it was um, Pansy Parkinson. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, she's beside him, like taking care of him. And so he's moaning and groaning <laughs> for her. Like, he's just like, oh no, I'm so hurt. Take care of me. And then Madame Pomfrey is just like, <laughs> I don't even care, bro. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, get out of here. And like, you don't get to see it, but I feel like the look on Pansy Parkinson's face would have been amazing. Oh yeah. To be like, you were just hamming it up. Like, I was, I'm not your mama. <laughs> <laughs> And so Harry Potter then has to regrow his bones, which, ouch. And then he has to drink pumpkin juice, which isn't good. I've had it even at the thing, and it is not really? good. I've had Ugh. it. It's not very good. You want it to be good because pumpkin juice. And, like, yeah. Starbucks is making a great go with pumpkin stuff. But pumpkin juice is not. It's so bitter. Ugh. It's gross. <laughs> but I don't. If you like pumpkin juice, not to shame you. Sorry. But to me, it was disgusting. <laughs> they were right. Uh, and so then Harry's <laughs> casually healing, you know, in bed. And then he hears kill, kill, kill. And then Dobby pops up and he's like, hey, I did the bludger. Do you love me? Essentially. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't be mad at me. I ironed my hands. Can you forgive me? And then Harry's like, no, like, what the heck? Why did you do that? He's like, you better clear off before my bones come back because I'm going to hurt you because this is insane. You're being so terrible. And then Dobby's like, well, I get death threats every day, so I understand. <laughs> so sad. Like, Dobby <laughs> is problematic. And then you try to be like, Dobby, you're, you're, you know, you need to stop. And he's like, yeah, I understand. I'm punished every day, <laughs> right? And you're like, oh, I don't know what to do say to this poor creature it's so sad because Dobby is like bound to serve this one family that abuses him for his entire life yeah so he never like he obviously has feelings but he doesn't know how to express those feelings because the family that he's bound to abuses the crap out of him he's like oh that's how I show my feelings I will hurt people and then I'll hurt myself (laughs) to make them feel better about the fact that I hurt them yeah it's awful. I also wonder if he hurts himself, too, because there is a conscience in Dobby. Obviously, he wouldn't come and tell Harry Potter if there wasn't. But he, like, hurts himself because he knows that he's helping these people be more evil and that he is, like, he's a complicit of the system. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, he is. And so he feels guilty. Oh, it's so sad. But then he informs Harry that he is in a sack 
and he's in slavery until they give him clothes, which feels like a very sad homeless metaphor as well. Oh. Very thinly disguised, right? Which feels so sad. Yeah. Um, and it is crazy. Like, I took an image consulting class over this, like, quarantine, and it is wild how many assumptions that we make based on people's, like, clothing and makeup and hair. Like, it, it we are entirely judgmental creatures as humans. It's We are. Wild. It's terrible. Yeah. So then... We see that Colin Creevy has been petrified, His and they tried to see his attacker through his camera, so social media saves, uh, except, unfortunately, this time, because it wasn't an iPhone that's impervious to, like, everything except water, right? Uh, and even <laughs> then, you could back up your information in the cloud, so you'd still be able to get it, but in this, if iPhones were real in Harry Potter, but uh, they can't identify the picture because the camera is, like, completely broken, and Dumbledore is like, Hogwarts is no longer safe. Although, the way they've been treating some of these kids, I don't know if Hogwarts was ever safe. (laughs) (laughs) So, they're doing the Polyjuice Potion in the girls' bathroom uh, that nobody comes in because of Moaning Myrtle, who is my spirit animal. (laughs) She really is. Oh my gosh. So, that actress is amazing in absolutely everything that she does. Oh, she deserves an Oscar. But the way she portrayed Moaning Myrtle was so spot on. (laughs) It's so good. We'll talk more about her as she gets yes. to be more prevalent because we just get like a snippet of her here. And so then we have the <laughs> dueling club where Snape and Gilderoy are teaching them how to block. I guess they're, they're I th- it seems like they're doing this school wide because the school has gotten dangerous that they're just teaching them to face the danger, which I think is kind of smart for a school to do. Not to be like, just hide. They're like, okay, here's how to handle it, right? Because it's, it's becoming unavoidable. And I remember so much the lines from the trailer because this was, it was during the stooling scene and Malfoy always goes to Potter. He goes, you scared Potter? And Harry goes, you wish. And that was like, every, it was on every freaking trailer, that snippet. And I just like remember <laughs> that culturally. But then Malfoy ends up cheating and he's like one second earlier and I swear he says Richter Sempra, which I, I feel like that is very similar, if not the same one, to the one that Harry then uses on him later in book six that, like, makes him bleed, right? It sounds very similar. It does sound very similar. It could be that Harry, like, knew that and was like, aha, remember what you did to me? I'm gonna get you back. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was scary. And so... That spell, though, instead of, like, slicing him up and making him bleed all over, as it does in the sixth one, this one makes a snake, and then Harry just talks to the snake. You know, no big deal. Uh, He's 12, using the devil voice in front of all these people, but it's not big. Just parcel (laughs) mouthing out. And then Ron and Hermione are like, yo, like, why didn't you tell us you were a parcel mouth? And he was like, oh, like, I didn't really know. I mean, I set a python on Dudley accidentally once, but, you know, so what? It's Dudley. <laughs> he doesn't understand. And he, and it's crazy that he, like, didn't know he was speaking a different language. Yeah, it really is. Because even people who are, like, multilingual, they'll know when they're speaking a different language. Yeah. I wonder if he's so traumatized that he's just desensitized himself so he doesn't know like he can't tell you know about certain things because when you're trauma you like remove from your you dissociate a lot so i wonder if he was just in a mass state of dissociation about that it was i never understood this with ron and hermione but they suppose they're like oh maybe you're related to voldemort and i'm like that's not possible because everybody already knows his mom's a mudblood and his dad was a pureblood and it's like so he's not related right well, like another spoiler is that voldemort was also a mudblood yeah 
So you think that they might be related muggle-wise? Like, I feel like they could be. And that could be part of the reason that Voldemort hates him so much is because he knows that they're, like, distantly related. But that's not in any of the lore. That's just my speculation. Ooh, that would be deep. Yeah. No, I think you're right, though. That makes it, that definitely makes it more personal, right? And I do feel like, I mean, I feel like Voldemort acted out so much because he hates his dad and he, like, just hates his family and it's just, like, a hate that Mm -hmm. got fed so much. But, yeah, so anyway, Harry Potter is starting to lose his mind, you know, tortured all his life. You know how it goes. It's going great. And then he gets caught following the trail of, like, I think it's just, like, water. And then you see nearly headless Nick and who is petrified. And then McGonagall sees him and is like, listen, it's out of my hands. We're going to take you to Dumbledore's office and up the cool staircase. Oh, my God, this is the coolest place ever. Um uh, I love that his password too is Sherbert Lemon. Like this is, oh, it's so good. It's so amazing. I feel like Dumbledore is like a wannabe hippie. He's like, I'm this great, powerful wizard, but really, just like let me have some hot chocolate and some ice cream and leave me alone, <laughs> and I'll be great. Oh yeah. Well, and if Dumbledore is queer too, it makes sense that he's very, he likes everything in his yeah. own style, right? He's going against, he's like, I, I've i got flair, right? I always wonder is like, in this moment in the office, does Dumbledore know that this is a horcrux? That there, this is a, the first horcrux going on? Is he not there in his research yet? Is this the thing that spares his research into the sixth book? I believe that he, he must have an inkling, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like he has some idea, but it hasn't fully clicked yet. And he must be like, okay, he must know that Voldemort can possibly return. But he's like not sure because there's weird stuff that goes on in the wizarding world all the time. So he's not sure if this is part of Voldemort or if this is something new or if it's just like Mm. some weird, you know, bogey hex that's happening. Oh my god. If only the Chamber of Secrets was opened by a bogey hex. And so then Harry has like a heart-to-heart with the Sorting Hat and he's like, hey, did you put me in the right house? Sorting Hat is like, Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> the starting gun is so snarky, I feel like. Harry's like, no, you're wrong. I don't belong in Slytherin anyway. So I was like, Harry, then what did you ask if you already knew? <laughs> like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then poor Harry has like, honestly, probably the worst luck ever in yeah. this movie. And he's like admiring Fox, which is the coolest Phoenix ever. So cool. And then Fox just like goes into flames and dies Right in front of him. And... Which is so sad. Yeah. And poor Harry's just like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. All this weird stuff happens around me, but I had nothing to do with this. I know. And then Dumbledore's like, hey, it's okay. Like, look, he's right in the ashes, right? And I always laugh because Fox is, like, so beautiful as this, like, elder bird, right? And then there's, like, a baby. He looks, like, just like a baby penis. Like, he's, like, all shriveled. Like, he looks so ugly. He was not a cute baby. So if you're not a cute baby, it's okay. You can always end up being like Fox. Fox's glow up is extreme. It really is. 
And so Hagrid then burst in and he's like, it's not Harry. I swear for the Ministry of Magic. And Dumbledore's like, yeah, I don't believe that Harry attacked anyone. And then Hagrid's like, oh, okay. I'll just be outside. Sorry. <laughs> Which I love. It's such a great <laughs> character thing. I love how passionate Hagrid is. Like, <laughs> yes. As scared as he is of a lot of things, he's just like, if I believe it, I will do anything in my power and stuff that's not in my power to make sure that everyone else believes it too. It's so admirable. Well, Hagrid was also wrongly accused, as we'll find out in a little bit. So I also understand that he's like, he's coming here to be like, oh my God, I don't want what happened to me to happen to Harry, right? It's not fair, right? And so I I don't understand why Dumbledore like asked Harry, because I don't think Harry even then tells him about the voices here. And I don't know if it's just because Harry doesn't trust Dumbledore fully yet or what's going on. But it's like, Harry, just tell him. Tell him. He might be able to figure it yeah, out. I feel like Harry is embarrassed because um, Hermione and Ron were like, you know, hearing voices, even in the wizarding world, that's a bad sign. And then he just had the whole like parcel yeah. mouth thing. And he's like, well, there's two strikes against me. If I get a third one, maybe they'll send me home and I'll have to be locked up at the Dursley's house for the rest of my life. I don't want that. So he's like just trying to, you know, fly under the radar so that no one tries to send him home. Yeah. And it's also, this is like weirdly a mental illness stigma that I feel like is slightly being addressed, right? Of this like, am I crazy, right? And I'm too scared to tell anybody, which is like a very real thing. And it like a lot of them start at like this, the age that he's at. So it was very powerful for her to write this like because I think this is like a struggle a lot of kids go with like do I lie do I tell the truth I recommend telling the truth because that is going to be even if you're scared that's the first step to like figuring it out for it to be more manageable yes so then we're gonna do Hermione is drugging cupcakes uh she's 12 a minor with the polyjuice potion (laughs) oh my gosh like that that scene hit me so hard. Not as a child. As a child, I thought it was hilarious. But as an adult, Hermione basically roofies Crab and Goyle. And I was like, as an adult, that is not okay. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's almost vengeance because I know they were mean. So I like understand the like wave of feminism rage because she is right. She does not deserve to be bullied by them. But also don't drug them. Don't get on yeah. that level. <laughs> don't do it. I don't even understand. The Polyjuice Potion looks so gross. I always am wondering, this is more of the fourth book, but how did Barty Crouch Jr. do this every fucking day? (laughs) How did he do this? Like, it's so disgusting. And I love the, like, face bubble cool special effects that happen. The special effects team in this movie is really good. The same in the book, that their voices didn't change. Like, how is that even physically possible? I think that their voices did change in the books. Because I remember, like, in the book, Harry and Ron came out of the bathroom stalls, and Harry, like, said something, and Ron was like, oh, sorry, excuse me, and Harry had to be like, Ron, it's me. Oh, yeah, because Ron didn't know. I remember that. Yeah, it's weird that they didn't do that in the movie. It's kind of mean. I think it's, they robbed the actors of Crab and Goyle (laughs) for more money, (laughs) Um, but... Yeah, I love to. It's so crazy that I feel like there are so many quotable lines because I remember 
because Harry is crab and he was like wearing glasses and Malfoy's like um why are you wearing glasses which they are so out of their heads on doing this like spy heist right? they've made so many mistakes already but Malfoy goes to crab yes. and he's like I didn't know you could read and I feel like that was like the ultimate like fake diss and jokes when you were like roasting your friends they'd be like oh I'm just reading this letter and you'd be like I didn't know you could read right and then they'd be like haha right like that right? was like, the ultimate punked 12 year old thing but I also feel like Malfoy actually was like he was a total whiny brat but I feel like he was a decent friend to Crab and Goyle because he didn't like, really make fun of him he just did the like oh I didn't know you could read and then like let it go instead of being like oh you're you're a four eyes and like all that he's yeah he was like oh that's your hobby cool oh yeah he didn't bully yeah. him at all he was like honestly just like oh i'm learning something new about my friend and then ron gets so heated during this because malfoy just like roasts his family like it is like it is comedy central and malfoy is on like he's just going for it so and it is kind of crazy that the daily prophet hasn't been reporting what's happening at hogwarts considering how involved they end up getting in the later yes. like books and movies Malfoy is like Dumbledore is the worst thing that happened to this place and honestly I will say Malfoy might be semi right I don't know who would be good enough for uh, uh to replace Dumbledore unfortunately but he he's right Dumbledore has made a lot of serious uh, questionable choices for sure I feel like he makes a lot of questionable choices but he's also like the only wizard who has ever had the same amount of power as Lord Voldemort and so, and he's also the only wizard who's, like, not afraid to say mm -hmm. his name because he was the headmaster when Voldemort was at school. And so he knows him. And so I feel like having him as headmaster is essential to the storyline. Oh, for sure. Because he's the only one who really knows how to defeat Voldemort. Yeah, they're basically building a child army, which is insane. And then poor Hermione, they come and find her after the, after the Polyjuice Potion is wearing off so quickly. And she's a kitty, which makes Ron into furries now. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's uh, I felt so bad for her. But she's a very cute kitty for a weird cute She is, she looks really good. And then we find later that the girls' bathroom is flooded because somebody threw something at Moaning Myrtle and she, so good in this freaking scene, because she explodes at Ron's, like, I guess, ableist thing of like, but you're not corporeal, right? Like, oh, I love it. She deserves, she deserves uh -huh. an award for this performance. It's so, it's so good. She really did. So then Harry finds a diary that talks back every, like, girl's dream right, right. <laughs> every writer's dream and then he's <laughs> casually transported into a book at 12 and he sees tom who tom riddle who is very handsome obviously this is tom riddle's memory so maybe he's more ugly in real life and he just remembers himself very handsomely <laughs> <laughs> they're about to close hogwarts and i feel like that's why i don't even know if tom riddle would have stopped but he was like oh crap if they close hogwarts i have to go back to the orphanage i better blame somebody else i don't want to lose my home <laughs> like and it's just crazy to me. Like, I can't believe that he, like, would orphan other children and yes. ruin all of these lives when he was in orphanage, knowing what it was like, doing all of these things to, like, avoid going back. 
Yeti still was evil. Like, the way to not have empathy, dude. <laughs> like, it is terrible. And then he ends up blaming the whole Chamber of Secrets on Hagrid for the spider. And then one of my favorite things, mm-hmm. I think it's so melodramatic and overdone, but it's when Harry <laughs> goes, Hagrid! <laughs> and he says it so long. Then after that, after he, like, gets back to the book, he's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great what a 12 year old reaction (laughs) like and then we get like a little clip and the and the mandrakes we've already talked about them before but then in this scene they have acne and it is so cute in a mood because they're like growing up so they go through like the little stages Uh because they're like little people so so cute but then unfortunately harry's bedroom has been ransacked and the diary is gone, so they should know, and I don't feel like they really mention it in the movies. I can't remember if they mention it in the books, but, like, it has to be a Gryffindor, right? Because they got into the dormitory. Yes. They're so pissed because now Quidditch is also canceled, and people are, I mean, they're mad. And I guess this is why the NFL was back, brought back so quickly. Sports were in COVID. It was like, people do not like their sports canceled. <laughs> I, can't, I can't understand it. I'm more of a drama <laughs> person, but... Oof. And then, unfortunately, Hermione is petrified. And I cannot believe that they are 12 and they, like, went and showed them their petrified friend. Like, I was like, I don't think you needed to do that. I'm glad that they informed her, but I think they could have just told them and not... Like, why did they get visual proof? See, it's also really interesting because these books are set, like, in the UK. And in the UK, children become adults legally, like, sooner than here in America. Oh, yeah. Like, I think it's at 17, they become adults. Yeah. And I know that's only, like, a year earlier, but it feels like they're trying to make their children grow up faster, so they're showing them very adult things. And honestly, like, Harry's been through some adult crap already. Like, Mm -hmm. he's been dealing with an abusive family his entire life. So I feel like seeing Hermione probably was not the most traumatic thing to ever happen. Fortunately, I mean, it's not, it doesn't come up with the Dementors on the next one. So <laughs> I guess not. But it is like, that is kind of smart that they, I think it is good for adults to prepare children. And obviously they were there and like now they're going to escort everybody to Hogwarts lessons. Hogwarts is going to be shut down. Uh, so Harry goes and is back at it again with the invisibility cloak. Um, and they like spy and they see that the minister of magic is taking Dumbledore in and that he has to like step aside as headmaster. And then Lucius says something and it's like such a good amount of foreshadowing. And I don't even know if they were doing it, but Lucius goes to Dumbledore and he's like, you've lost your touch, which is crazy. Cause he ends up like losing his hand. Right. I know that was like a reach, but it was like, I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then Hagrid like walks himself into a trap because he goes if you take Dumbledore away there's gonna be killings and it's like and they're like oh you think so Hagrid when you were accused of being the one who killed in the past right so now is that a confession right like oh the system will get you I feel like that's what the minister was thinking because he was like you know the last time this happened you were here. Guess what's similar about this time? You're still here. It's a smart theory. It's the wrong theory, right? I can see why he's thinking it, but he's still still messed up. And then Dumbledore, I guess he can, I can't even tell if he can see through the cloak or he just knows because he's so powerful, but he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to go, but uh, if you ask for help, you'll find it. And I'm like, that was so vague for 12 year olds. I understand that he kind of has to be, but because he's like being taken away. Mm-hmm. Follow, and then Hagrid, I think, says to follow the spiders. 
feed Fang. That was Hagrid's message to the empty room because they, they apparently know they're there. They apparently suck at Invisibility Cloak. But the own Minister of Magic, which is probably a more powerful yeah. position than the headmaster doesn't know so that's great and ron is terrified of spiders this is ron's biggest trauma and he's like i love that yeah. line of why couldn't we just follow the butterflies <laughs> it's so good <laughs> yeah which i totally feel like who wants to follow a line of spiders into a creepy forbidden forest where at night who knows what is waiting for them and i mean they know that hagrid already has like an affinity for dealing with creatures that no one should be dealing with the creature that it is is this huge spider aragog i mean he is he's a big boy he really he's he's got some head and he informs them that he's not the monster the monster was born in the castle and it came from a distant land in the pocket of a traveler um, and he's like, yo, so you know, I don't harm ha- Hagrid, but I cannot deny fresh meat. And Ron's like, can we panic now? And then so creepily, the spider's like, goodbye, <laughs> friends of Hagrid's. And then what I want to know is who is Aragorn's lady friend that is birthed in all these sons and daughters? Like, because there's a lot. <laughs> That's a very where's good his, question. Where is his boo? <laughs> like, they definitely miss Hermione, but the car comes in and is like, I'll be Hermione. Don't worry. I'm going to get you out of this. Sorry. But uh, that would be so creepy in real yeah. life. Like a Tesla pulls up in front of you and is like, hey, jump in. <laughs> when, I mean, it would be great, but I would be a little scared. Yes. Like, um, okay. But so like, that is so nice of that car because the last time that they had the Ford Angela they got it beat up by the Whomping Willow and it goes off and lives in the Forbidden Forest by itself to avoid abuse and then it realizes that these people who were the same people who got it like basically destroyed are in trouble and it's like okay I guess I'll drive into the middle of this forest of like demon spiders and save you. And it was still getting beat up even more by these gigantic spiders. We need the Pixar car story of this. The Pixar yes. Harry Potter car story. <laughs> this is a great, like, short film before it. You know what I mean, this is, this is the idea out you. This is ready. Um, and then yes. it's like, I mean, this is such an intense taxi, too. Like, the spider grabs Ron around the neck. Like, it is scary. Thankfully, mm-hmm. Harry spells him. And then Ron's line of like, if Hagrid ever gets out of Azkaban, I'll kill him, which is so t- <laughs> But I like, I get it, because that was so dangerous to like send yes. them to. And then Harry figures it out because they see the piece of paper in Hermione's hand uh, that it's Hagrid was innocent. It's a basilisk because they all, all the victims, they saw the reflections, but they never looked it in the eye to die. Spiders flee before it. It's been using the pipes to get around, which I still don't understand because it's, freaking huge the basilisk how huge are hogwarts pipes maybe i just don't understand plumbing but the girl that died 50 years ago died in a bathroom it's moaning myrtle who saw the basilisk which it's amazing that she i realize that no one really comes to visit her but she's got to have heard something and have realized that it's similar to last time Oh, yeah. And instead, she's like, I'm going to hang out in this toilet stall because no one loves me. <laughs> I mean, she's stuck in puberty, though, as a ghost. That's an awful time to be stuck as it for, like, a child forever. That's rough. Yes. That's a rough time. I would not want to be 12 forever. That's for sure. And they're going to tell, and then they catch that, uh, that they're going to, there's been, like, another attack that a girl was taken. And Gilderay's like, oh, I can, you know, I can do this. I 
I can deal with the monster. I know all along. And then uh, they're like, okay, then you do it. I know. And he's all like, wait, what? You, you're not actually going to do that. And they're like, no, you know what? <laughs> do it. Yeah. And I'm in the realization, though, of when it's Ginny Weasley that's been taken. Ooh, I still feel like even thinking about it, I get like shivers down my spine. Like that is literally the worst victim. It's like, it sucks about Hermione, but that is... Ginny's innocent, right? She's innocent in all this, or so we yeah. think. And so they go to Gilroy because they, like, want to help him because they figured it out because they're 12-year-old geniuses. And he's packing up and running away. How responsible. Like, and what a kid thing. Like, <laughs> I feel like that happens so much in kids' lives that we don't realize of, like, when you see adults, like, basically fleeing from their fear, right? Of basically people walking out on other people. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> be a good mm-hmm. person. And Gilderoy confesses that, like, that he basically, you know, was good at memory charms and he needed to be because the books wouldn't have sold if people didn't think he did all these things. Which is amazing because he's packing up to flee Hogwarts Castle. Like, how many uh, Obliviation charms is he going to have to cast on people in order to make them forget that he was ever there? And that he ran away because his books would I don't not know what sell. his plan was. Yeah. His books wouldn't sell anymore if he left without like causing anyone to lose their memory because they'd all just take it home to their parents and be like, oh, yeah, my teacher ran away because he's a liar. Yeah. And honestly, Gilderoy should have just, as a book, written down his plans to steal people's memories, right? That's a good book. You didn't have to actually go do it. You could have just wrote that book about, yeah. about this evil guy that does that. Why did you do that? You didn't have to... Sometimes I think us writers, we struggle with like, oh, we've got to actually go do the thing. And it's like, no, trust your imagination. It's enough. It will be enough. <laughs> oh, don't do terrible things. But I love the, the fact that Ron's wand does save the day here is like very, very brilliant. It's like you do need the broken wand for this all to work. And I love that Moaning Myrtle yes. has a crush on Harry because I clearly <laughs> have a crush on Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> And Harry asks how she died, and she is, like, so turned on about, like, ask. She's such an emo person, too. She's like, oh, you want to know how I died? She's like, oh, my gosh, this cute boy is super popular. He's so into me. They made fun of my glasses. And and then she was like, I don't know what happened because I was distraught. (laughs) So good. So good. (laughs) And she was like, and then I heard them say a made-up language, and I unlocked the door to tell them to go away, and then I died. And it's so, uh, such a great <laughs> monologue. And she was like, but I did see a great pair of big yellow eyes by that sink. She's like the perfect murder mystery character. Every murder mystery should have a moaning myrtle. <laughs> yes. So good. So then Harry speaks in parcel mouth and opens it. And moaning myrtle is like, well, if you die, you're welcome to share my toilet. <laughs> you know, which is so great. <laughs> I love her so much. Uh, and so they slide down this like giant slide of the sink, which honestly looks like fun, even though it looks also a little gross, but seems like fun <laughs> to slide down. Yeah, I feel like that should be a ride yes. at Harry Potter Land. They can have like a playground for kids and it'll be like, but you know, it's, it's the bathroom. like <laughs> us adults. Yes. yes. They'll be like, slide into the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> oh, that's a great ride. You okay, gotta pitch that. Perfect. For sure. <laughs> and so 
they're like harry goes you know any side of movement close your eyes and then they see the giant snake skin and they just like randomly guess they're like oh yeah that's 60 feet long but i mean they got us this far and they're geniuses so they're probably right but i love the like random fact of like oh yeah i can just look at the snake skin and i know that it's 70 feet (laughs) that is very talented because i look at people and i don't know how long they are i'm like i yeah I have no idea about heights. So I don't even know my own height sometimes. I'm like, I think I'm five, five and a half. I could have grown. I could have shrunk. See, it's me. I, what is according size? to everyone, I'm five foot ten. But according to Universal Studios, I'm five, nine and three quarters. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the audacity. But. Yeah. Rude. So like, I kind of base it off of that. If people are taller than me, they're about six feet. If they're shorter than me, they're not six feet. So, like, Mm. them knowing that the snake was 60 feet, I'm like, okay, I can't even measure myself correctly, apparently. (laughs) So, yeah, I have no idea even the difference between an inch and a centimeter. But Gilderoy grabs Ron's crappy wand and he's like, oh, here's where it's going to go down, right? I bested these 12 year olds because I'm a psychopath. And he's like, you guys are going to tragically lose your minds at the sight of your body. I love when evil villains, like, explain what they're going to do to their victims. Like, they they love to hear them themselves talk right yeah <laughs> but instead of making it lose their memories it just makes all the stuff fall down and gilderoy lockhart lose the memories and he automatically becomes like a child and he asks if harry and ron live here and it just brings me to this moment that i feel like was wasted and needed to be in the fourth film even though i understand because the fourth film was so jam-packed that scene in the hospital with him and neville and neville's parents in the fourth book do you remember it yes i do that was such a good scene and they just completely did away with it which i understand because the books are so jam-packed they can't possibly fit everything in but it just made me so sad that they didn't bring that actor back to portray that oh i know great scene for neville it's like that's the whole reason he falls in love with neville and when his mom gives him like the candy wrapper oh i'm just it's so heartbreaking well and it's so important because in the seventh book, they reference that and explain that, that Harry and Neville were born on the same day, which is a very important fact. Absolutely, yeah. That Voldemort just kind of blew past. Yeah, I can't, it's not even in like the extended version or anything either, I don't think. Like, oh, such a wasted scene. Anyway, so Jenny is then cold as ice and Harry's like trying to wake her up and Tom's like, Tom Riddle appears suddenly and Harry's like not even baffled by that at all. He's just like, oh yeah, Tom, who was like, who should be older if this was 50 years ago, doesn't, isn't faced at all. Yeah. And uh, Harry's like, come on, you gotta help me. You know, like the basilisk is coming and he's like, oh, don't worry. It won't come until it's called, right? It's so freaking creepy. And he's like, you know, as Jenny goes weaker, I grow stronger. And he explains that Jenny opened the Chamber of Secrets. She's like, oof, like what a, what a betrayal. What a, ow, like our innocent jenny opened it right like i don't i don't even feel like that even hits me now about how big that was for it to be like a gryffindor and a friend of like harry's right like a a family member like wow and then and it's obviously not her fault because tom little told her to and then he had like preserved himself in the diary but he like as soon as harry had grabbed his diary he was like i knew i had to meet you like face to face it's so creepy this whole like exchange is like oh like just chills your skin right and 
he's like, don't worry. He's like, everybody who petrified is going to be all right. Killing mudbloods mm-hmm. doesn't even matter. He's like, my new target has been you. He's like, how did you escape me with nothing but a scar? And Harry's like, what the heck? This was like after your time. Why do you care, creepazoid, right? And then he's like, no, Voldemort is my past, present, and future. And then when he does the iconic yeah. rearrange the name thing, which has become a hilarious meme as well. But this, like, I remember how much this messed up with me as a child, right? When he does the thing. It's the worst <laughs> graphics of the film, but it is iconic as heck. Yes. But I was just like, oh my gosh, like, how did you rearrange those letters to get Voldemort? Like, how is that what, what? you landed on? Was, oh, anagrams, man. <laughs> like, the crazy. And he's like, I'm the hair of Slytherin. He's like, I wasn't going to keep my filthy muggle father's name. And Harry's like, what are you talking about? You're not the greatest wizard. Albus Dumbledore is. And... Uh, Voldemort's like he's been driven out by my mere memory oh he's such a piece of crap in this he's so gross and then Harry is like he's never gonna be gone yes. as long as those are loyal but he somehow forgets that message in the sixth book when he's mourning Dumbledore <laughs> grief affects everything um, and so then because Fox hears this cry he's he comes back and Harry tries to like after trying to avoid this basilisk attack tries to like talk parcel mouth to the basilisk but Tom is like it's sorry it only listens to me and oh this is such a scary snake this snake honestly it's terrifying it's huge and the face it really is it's enormous yeah. and it, just the idea of having to fight this creature that doesn't listen to you even though you speak the yeah. same language and you can't look at it because if you make eye contact with it you'll die oh my goodness yeah and then thank god fox takes care of that because he just blinds the heck out of the snake it's so oh graphic but tom is like not faced because like it could still hear you and smell you obviously sniff sniff i can imagine like the little basculist the giant stray creature like sniffing the air delicately (laughs) trying to sniff out harry potter oh and then there's like a shot too where i think he's like running with all the rats underneath the sewer like this guy is 12 like it's insane this battle is seriously insane and it gets me so excited and so the basculus like there's like kind of like a fake jump moment which i think was cool because i love those like i always refer to it as american horror story three's thing of like surprise bitch i bet you thought you saw the last of me right (laughs) (laughs) which i think is like the basculus move here right it is Mm -hmm. that like emma roberts line and then he ends up getting the sword of godric gryffindor again that snake's mouth it's so it's so gross it's so gross and it gets it him, really unfortunately, is. when he gets the basculus, he gets it with the sword, but it poisons him with its tusk. I mean, the tusk! It has freaking tusks, this thing! But Voldemort's pet is dead, but unfortunately, Venom comes quickly, and it's just crazy, man, the damage that a book can do, right? Like, it is insane. Mm-hmm. And then Harry, though, takes that kind of hint that Tom is, like, weird about the book. uh, And then he, I don't even know how he does this. It's, like, kind of genius. Because I think that I would have just, like, sat there and died, right? Like, I would have not been, like, what can I do? I'm going to stab the book with this thing, right? I I don't think I would have ever been that smart as a 12-year-old. I would have tried to, like, I would have tried to stab, like, Tom Riddle with it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that wouldn't have worked. And then you still, and, and you're like weak too, to get up that energy. Yeah. To just stab. yeah like, it's insane. When I was reading it, my first thought, cause like Tom was like, if she grows weaker, I grow stronger. I was like, well, he's going to have to stab Ginny and this is going to be really messed up. Uh, but if he kills yeah. Ginny, oh my then, gosh. Like, Tom Riddle can't get any more power from her. 
Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's a even a worse plot twist. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> oh my goodness. And another reality where that happened. Oof. And then poor Jenny wakes up finally when this is all over and she's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. It wasn't me. Which is like, she's like basically been possessed. Like the damage that has uh-huh. on like an 11 year old girl. Her crush, Harry Potter, is going to die in front of her for what she knows. But then, thank God, Fox comes in, cries on him. I freaking love Fox so much. (laughs) He's so great. And the music that plays with Fox playing, I used to listen to it all the time. It is sincerely beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that sad line that he says before Fox heals him of like, you were brilliant, Fox. I just wasn't quick enough. It's like so, uh, like, Harry, don't even take the blame. You're dying. Right? I, I love how he does that, though. Like, that's very mature of him. How he's not like, how dare you not come before like where were you you would have known that I needed help he's like I'm sorry you were great yeah he's so kind he really is a kind boy Mr. Mm -hmm. Harry Potter I always think this line that he says to Jenny where he goes it's over it's just a memory it is so cheesy it is so cheesy (laughs) but I get it and you can't you can't not right you can't not hit that cheese when you got it so they broke it a dozen school rules they could get expelled but they don't yet again they get special awards for services to the school (laughs) psych they're never Gryffindor wins the house cup every time (laughs) and so then I think Errol like was having a hard time getting the papers to Azkaban to get the gameskeeper Hagrid back um so that's hilarious too it's like kind of brushed over in the movie but i'm like wow how frustrating the prison system is already probably very frustrating and yet here we have an owl too that's like well i mean they have like freaking dementors protecting azkaban so i'm like those poor owls that had to like fly there i wonder if it affects owls maybe they're immune i wonder if it's only like a people thing like that's their only effect Maybe. Maybe. That's another good Dementor question. But Dumbledore explains, now that he is back, he explains that only real loyalty calls Fox. Uh, And then they do very, very, very briefly, not even anything close to what we need, I feel like, touch on the similarities between Voldemort and Harry Potter. And I I don't even know if she had Horcruxes, like, planned out at this time, right? Probably didn't, because that's mainly, like, what the focus of the last two books are. Uh, She probably didn't, because she was working on Harry Potter, but in between each Harry Potter book, she was also working on a different children's story. Oh, wow. What children's story do you know? Um, it's called the Ichabot, I believe. The Ichabot. Oh. That's what it is. And it's actually released and it's super cute. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, she was working on that just in between each Harry Potter. Wow. She was doing it all, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love this line. Don't even get psychoanalyzed. Don't pay for therapy. Just always remember Dumbledore's line of, it's not our abilities, but it's our choices who make us who we are, right? That line is so good. It's such a good thing. Free therapy yes. advice. That's something you got to remember more. I definitely have to remember it more. And then we figure out that the Malfoys are Dobby's masters. And they talk to Lucius Malfoy and they're like, um, several of the people who signed the petition for Dumbledore to go uh, were under the impression that you would curse their family if they didn't agree with you. So this makes it invalid because <laughs> you're, that was really messed up. Uh, yeah. I love how Lucius Malfoy is like so offended. He's like, well, who told you that? And they're like, uh, we're not going to release names. And he's just like, but who? 
because I would never. But who? Give me specifics. <laughs> oh my goodness, he's so terrible. And then he goes always like, he's like, oh, well, I guess Harry Potter will always be around to save the day. And it's like kind of true, though. It's kind of like the summary mm-hmm. of these books. But Harry has the suspicion, and I guess this, it has to be true, right? It's like how he got the diary is that Lucius slipped it to Jenny in uh, Diagon Alley. Yeah, right? He did. So um, the movie actually does a really good job of illustrating that without like harping on it. In that scene where they're in Flourish and Bots and they're like getting their school books and everything, when Lucius comes up and is insulting the Weasleys, he picks up Ginny's book and he's like, oh, it's a secondhand copy. And when he picks it up, you see there's only one book in the cauldron, but when he puts it back, there's two books. Whoa! Oh my goodness! I got me. I didn't see it. Um, but <laughs> then there's this my favorite moment ever. One of my favorite moments. I used to make this joke all the time. Harry gives a sock in the diary because the diary gets handed over to Dobby and there's a sock in it. It's my favorite punked moment of Harry Potter, right? This is the best Harry Potter, like, trick. <laughs> and that yes. the Malfoys have given Dobby a sock. Dobby is free. And he steps out and he protects Harry Potter. It's like he gets freed and he's honestly freed of, like, his abusive mindset. I was talking about how Dobby steps out in front of Harry and, like, saves Harry Potter for in a good way this time as soon as he is freed it's like he's not only freed physically he's also freed from his emotional yes. abuse and he can think clearly right yes and he's so that is like such a good way to put it that when you're free from like your physical and emotional abuse like if you're in a bad relationship like get out because you're so much more powerful when you're out Absolutely. Of it. And you can help so much more people too. And you'll be able to make so much more friends. I was in like an abusive situation and I can tell like tenfold the more I like stopped putting up with the abuse in my life changed in all sorts of ways. Yeah. But it's it's very hard. Like the effects are long lasting. We see it through the Harry Potter mm-hmm. ones. But I love when he goes and to Dobby and he's like, promise me you'll never try to save my life again. And oh, <laughs> Dobby breaks that promise. He breaks he it. Uh, and that is so heartbreaking when uh, he does break it. Yes. Like it makes me cry. Oh, I but know. It was also so necessary. It was, but it's uh it's a great, it's a brilliant death. Long live Dobby. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. And then I always cry when Hermione is back. And I, but I die laughing when Ron tries to handshake, like they won't hug. He like gives her a handshake. <laughs> it's so awkward and weird. I feel like Ron is like just starting to catch feelings for her. Yeah. And he's realizing that. And he's like, oh, wait, no. I don't this want her to know. Yeah. I don't want to ruin our yeah. friendship. So I'm just going to handshake my friend. I feel like a handshake could ruin a friendship <laughs> like that. <laughs> like, why don't you just hug me? Um, yeah. <laughs> and I always wondered so they canceled the exams for this year. So, like, do the seven years, do they automatically pass? Do the fifth years taking their owls, do they pass? What happened here? That's a very good question. I feel like because it was a super traumatic year, they would have just automatically passed. Like, I know when I was in college, they did it on a case-by-case basis. But, like, if you had a roommate who passed away in the middle of a semester, you automatically got A's for every class you were in for the semester. That's insane. Yeah, so I feel like they would have done something like that because, like, it was a very traumatic thing and, like, the kids couldn't really leave. Like, it wasn't up to them. Yeah. So I feel like they would have just passed. 
which like what a year to be a seventh year <laughs> right yeah it's lucky I can understand Hermione's disappointment though of like studying all this time and then just by the way all the time that you were wasted studying instead of like exploring these amazing magical grounds didn't matter this year so, like, yeah. you know what I mean all the time <laughs> when you were traumatic and you were still trying to do your paper uh didn't matter wasted uh, mm-hmm. so you passed though uh, which sucks but yeah I think Honestly, you during this talk, you made me love this movie more. Because I honestly, I wrote at the end of this that I thought that this movie was weaker than the first. But I think, like, I think in movie-wise it is. Story-wise, it's obviously stronger. Uh, what do you I think? I think it is, too. So, like, in the first book, I feel like the first book is very much a children's book. Where mm-hmm. it's just, like, love and magic and friendship conquer all. And then in the second book, they get more into, like, the wizard lore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they did it. They did a fairly decent job of portraying that in the movie, where they were like, "Hey, this book actually has deeper themes. In this story, we deal with racism, we deal with classism, we deal with yeah. uh, abuse, like physical and mental and emotional. Uh, we deal with the feeling of being trapped. We deal with like scary situations that most children's books don't deal with. So I feel like this story." in the second book and the second movie, it kind of got screwed over a little bit because mm-hmm. it made, it was the segue story from the first book, which was a children's book, into more adult-themed material. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like this book is misplaced. Like, almost that he should have had serious first then this one, then the Goblet of Fire, right? Then the Azkaban, uh, or uh, the Order of Phoenix, I mean. Then the Half-Blooded Prince, right? I almost feel like this is like a horcrux that just came just too soon to the idea, right? And if it was more set in the middle of the story, mm-hmm. that we would have gotten it more. Uh, and not that much has to change. I guess it's more impressive that he's 12 and doing this. Because um, I definitely, I wasn't doing this at 12. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely not. So it was interesting because, like, when I started reading these books, I think I was um, eight years old when I started reading them. And so I was like, oh, wow, he's 11. That's so old. (laughs) And then I turned 11 and I was like, I'm still a kid. Like, I don't know what Harry Potter was doing, but... I'm still a child. Yeah. Oh, that's my favorite thing in all of these kids' movies when they're like, I'm 13. I'm practically an adult. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, and I remember being 13 and believing that, right? Like it is. Yes. It's, yeah. Teenagers are hard. <laughs> yeah, it's like they a hard, because really it's like, that is the thing of like, you got to grow up and it's, it's tough to grow up. Yeah. And I think that these books actually do a really good job with dealing how tough it is to like grow up. And how Mm -hmm. to embrace change because there's something new and different in every book and every book like progresses every book gets like a little bit thicker than the one that was before it because they're dealing with so much stuff that regular stories don't deal with and so true um so I actually heard that JK Rowling intended to write and release one book a year so that the children who started reading Harry Potter at a young age could grow up with Harry Potter. And I just love that idea. I love that he gets a little bit more mature and he deals with a more adult theme each book. I love that she put that much thought into it. I know that it actually took her a little bit longer than the seven years that she had planned. It took her 10 years to get them all out. 
Yeah. But I still feel like it was kind of perfect in the timing. That was my, my boyfriend hates Harry Potter. And, but his argument was like, I also, he didn't grow up with it is what he was saying. He, so he was like, I mm. miss that. Like that that's like kind of the magic of Harry Potter is that we grew up with him and how like special. And then even now anybody can grow up with him at any time, right? You can raise your kids to where they too can grow up with Harry Potter if you want, really wanted to and like have their yes. like appropriate for children. And they, yeah, they're definitely things to talk about. Um, what was your favorite book and movie? Um, honestly, my favorite book was the first one. Um, I oh, love magic and I love happy endings. And I feel like the first one is probably, I want to say it's the only one that can stand on its own. The rest mm-hmm. are clearly part of a series. And while you don't need to read them all, you can get like a general idea from each one but they don't feel complete as stories by themselves. Yeah. Well, cause also she had the most time for the first one. Cause she was trying to sell that one for years. So, and I'm like in the process of trying to like sell my book right now. And it's a lot of like, you send it out, you don't like it. And then you look and you're like, what can I rewrite to make stronger? Right. And so you have so much time with your very first piece yes. uh, that it just ends up sometimes I think being really complete because you've, You've had so much time with it, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, you've been the most time raising it. Meanwhile, the other one, she had to kind of, like, kick out of the nest sooner because you start to get on, like, a deadline. So, yeah. Oh, it was so great to have you on this podcast. Thank you so Thank much. You. For showing. Is there anything you would like to plug or uh, of your stuff or something you're doing or things you care about? Um, I'm working on a TV show right now, but it's not released yet. So, nope. I think I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, okay, cool. Well, good luck with your TV show. Thank you so much. Good luck with your book. Oh my god, Sarah was the best guest I could have ever had for the second movie. So thank you so much, Sarah, for coming and talking. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm always looking for guests, so please feel free to hit me up on the links below. Uh, Right now, this podcast makes thanks again so much for listening again if you can go follow me on my socials that means the world love you so much for that kisses everything buy that merch give me that money because you know it's currency baby and and it makes the world go round and i pretty much just use it to employ other people so maybe it'll end up back to you somehow that's how money works right anyway thanks again so much for listening and catch you on the next episode of is this really for kids i would love for this to reach as many people as possible because I feel like what we're talking about matters and yeah I want I want all of these people to be exposed to all the wonderful artists that I know in my life and they have helped me through so much and I love meeting new people so please all my links are below on how to support me I love and appreciate you so much and be safe out there